The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. Hello. (laughs) Oh my God. I am so excited for my guest today. I have on Z-Way. Z-Way is iconic. If you don't know who she is, what are you even doing with your life? Z-Way, so on her Instagram, she started on YouTube, but on her Instagram, she does a live show every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And her guests, she's talking to the comedians, actors. She's had on like Rose McGowan, Alyssa Milano. And they're talking about race and, you know, social issues that we're having. But she just goes right to the point with it all. And it's really uncomfortable and cringy to watch it at times because these are questions that, you know, we're not asking ourselves that we should ask ourselves. And she's, you know, often baiting them for, you know, racial faux pas to, you know, whether she's asking them how many black friends they have or whether they know who different black activists or political figures are. And oftentimes, like, they don't know how to answer these questions. And it's just, it's very compelling to watch. It's funny. And I think if you haven't seen it, watch immediately now. She has them all in her IG TV section on her Instagram but yeah, let's just get right into it because I cannot wait to talk to her. Woo! I am so excited for this episode. I have um, an insanely hilarious, talented guest today who I am such a fan of. I have Z-Way sitting right here in front of me on my computer screen. I wish we were Hi. in real life. <laughs> But um, Z-Way, I, I, yeah, I'm such a, a fan of you. I think you are just brilliant and hilarious and you have some of the best fashion I've oh, seen. Gosh. But yeah, I, so I, I came across you on social media. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was first like Twitter. And I was just like, this girl's hilarious. And I was just like, well, like, who is this person? So I did a quick Google, you know, search and and found some information and then of course got directed to um your YouTube series. <laughs> and I I started watching and I was just like, oh my word, this is um I had never seen anything like this. I mean, it was just like this raw, just direct point blank questions about race. Um and I I had when I Googled you, I had, you know, learned a little bit about sort of your background and education and, and what you were doing um, career wise. And so you have you're a writer and a comedian and I know you have experience in satire. So I was just I wanted to ask you because a lot of people listening maybe haven't seen your Instagram live shows, which damn, you got to get on that. But um, they might not also realize that this began as a YouTube series a few years back. So I'm just wondering what the the genesis of that was and sort of like what made you or inspired you to begin this. Firstly, thank you so much for having me. And Katie, this is awesome. Yay! I'm a huge fan of yours as well. I am a VPR stan. So this is like heaven on earth. <laughs> um, 
So as far as my show, I think I've always been accused of being like confrontational. <laughs> so I finally like put my confrontational personality on film, cut it down to something like funny and entertaining. But it really came, it really came from this moment in my life, Trump was running and I was just constantly enraged. And so I just made this series called Baited with, um, that made me, that, that where I was race baiting my coworkers and my friends. I was really, really pissed off all the time. And that kind of morphed into like me having interviews where I discussed race, with, like icons like Rose Gow and Alyssa Milano. But it's truly been like an ever evolving practice. So your show has recently, um, you've, it's been sort of reimagined to fit uh, not only the world that we're living in, in terms of um, just being at home, uh, <laughs> quarantined, if you will. Um, but now with, with what's, what's happening, um, in the world with the black lives movement and everything that with like a conversation happening more so, um, regarding race that, um, I think is so necessary. And I think, you know, you're, you're becoming, a, an icon and a voice of the generation. Truthfully, who of your guests were you, um, most excited about having Carolyn Calloway because I was obsessed because you just read about this like scammer girl from Oxford and Exeter and I'm like how is this chick famous like what did she what did she do and then speaking to her everything I imagined was I could not have conceived of that interview it was wild from to finish her asking me to say something nice to her because the manager was pissed it was just like absolutely iconic like the most fun I've ever had talking to a stranger oh was there anyone that surprised you the most? Alison Roman, definitely. Well, because I, like, I don't know if you followed Alison, like, talking shit about Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. I saw that online and I was like, oh my gosh, dare she talk about Chrissy? And the interview on the show is like, oh, actually, she's a human with feelings. <laughs> I was shocked to see a different side. And so I liked that because I got to ask her if she was the Christopher Columbus food Instagram while also getting to know her more personally. Because it is, it is a comedy show. Um, and so it's, yeah, you, you, you laugh because I think your, your delivery and asking these questions is so direct. I mean, it's just, you just get right to the point. There's no, there's no coddling. There's no beating around the bush and sitting, you know, you, you see the discomfort wash over these people's face and you, you feel that, you know, especially me being a white person as well. And you, you, you laugh in your own discomfort and you ask yourself like, oh my God, well, how would I answer this question too, you know, which, is, which I think is kind of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, the whole purpose of the show. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if the whole purpose is audience to see the way that's to say, what would I do? If, do I know who Marcus Garvey is? Do I, you know, like, do I have four to five black friends? <laughs> and so I'm really just trying to bring these conversations into every living room in America. And honestly, my, my interview dialings were inspired in part by Andy Cohen because the VPR reunions and I'd be like wow the way he reads a card and says like Dorit Kemsley your boobs are fake what do you think like to their faces I just thought was absolutely wild I I just kind of pulled that it is difficult sitting in that hot seat and and not knowing what's going to be asked of you and have to be like prepared to answer and and not and 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 feeling the pressure to have the right answer I mean do you do you feel that there is a right or wrong answer to the questions that you're asking? The right answer is being honest, right? Because it's like, I am not racism police. I'm not going to arrest. If you say what you qualitatively like about Black people, you don't have a good answer. Like, I just want to know what, what comes to mind because that's the valuable aspect to the conversation. 
how do you decide the questions to ask when you're sitting there? Like what, like you're like, these are the important questions or is it just whatever comes to mind? I prep. So I, I like take time to tailor every interview to the respective guests because I want to know how they're racist. Um, but questions I know always get good reactions. Like how many black friends do you have? What do you qualitatively like about black people? Why are you doing this show? Those are like my base and little, little like flavors to make sure that the interview feels special and new and fresh. No one, everyone's always surprised. And I'm so glad that people are paying attention. I mean, you have like this like massive audience. Like your your live show is, is like a must see now. Like the fact that like you have these massive publications like Vanity Fair and New York Times that are doing these pieces on you. Does that must make you feel like I feel, it feels it's wild. It's, I'm glad these conversations are getting covered and really brought into media discourse. I never want to get this, and I always want to make sure I'm pushing myself to make sure that I'm covering communities and like really for people who don't have a voice. Like I don't ever want to become like celebrity since it's just like, oh yeah, fuck everybody. and just get rich off of this and toodles. Good luck. Like I want to <laughs> make sure that I'm like helping people always. While you're gaining a lot of like notoriety and you know, a lot of attention, I'm sure it's being met with a lot of criticism. Criticism. I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this on VPR where it's just like people will will tweet about you and tweet to you. And it's like, I'm so sensitive. I cry all the time. I cry every single day. And so it's like, it does really hurt my feelings when this, when people are like, you're the devil. I hate you. Um, but I, I try to take everything with a grain of salt. All I can do is my best. And if you have any critiques about my activism and the ways in which I, what, make my art it's like make your own art and like do it better than me like please be my guest I'm exhausted you know opinion if I can share that I think sometimes the, the criticism I've seen of you and your show is the people not fully watching or watching enough or going back and watching your YouTube series and giving it a chance and not understanding it fully do you feel like that maybe people aren't understanding like the the comedy or the satire behind it or the real full picture of it portion of people who interact with my art and they're just like why does this exist i don't understand the basis and they don't really have any context they just see a you know a clip that has five hundred thousand views of rose mcgowan saying that she would never call the police on a fabulous person and that in itself does not make any sense <laughs> that is unhinged so so yeah i think that that's definitely the case but i mean hey get to know me <laughs> please like and subscribe people had asked you you know or that that people were saying that you hate white people and that you like want to see white people fail and it's just to me I th- I'm like okay that must be coming from a place of what we call white fragility preach yeah I mean to be so defensive for for you asking questions to a white person of how many black friends do you have I mean that's a valid question in my point but for people to to get their feelings all up in the mix of it and to, for them to twist it in a way that to question of you hating white people is just like, damn. But this is the show for those people. I mean, this this is the light that I feel like you're trying to shed. Yeah. I mean, also, I'm like, I think I'm like so nice. Like, I think I'm like dainty, like kid gloves, like, okay, like, it's okay. You're not racist. I'm like, I really, really work hard to be kind to my guests because I think what they're they're doing is invaluable. And I think it's a gift, right? Because it takes a lot of vulnerability to come on to a live stream and have 20,000 people screaming at how you're slow for the, for the number of agents you can name. So I like, I, I truly 
take their time. And so I try to be kind. So people who think that I am full of hatred, hatred or venom, I just don't really think they, I think they're misunderstanding the show. Comedy and, and you, when you, when you do that really like sort of like penetrating gaze and you get really close to the camera, which I think is amazing. And just like, just, it, I mean, it just, it adds so much to it. And I think that's what people are loving about it, who love and appreciate it. But I think, do you think that the people who are saying like, yeah, like go get her, like you've, and you've said in interviews that that isn't your goal is to like take people down. So, so when people are like wanting to like sick you after (laughs) people, like, what do you feel about cancel culture? I, I mean, if you say, like, homophobic, racist, bull, like, crap, like, transphobic, ableist, whatever, you should get called out. Like, that's that. That's, right. I don't think that's getting canceled. I think that's getting criticized, rightfully so. Cancel culture, I mean, do people lose their houses of cancel culture? Do, like, does that significant happen from trending on Twitter for a day? Um, not usually. I think that there has to be a new word that describes the racial civil rights reckoning that we're experiencing other than cancel culture. Because right. you're not getting canceled because you're a racist. You're getting your due. The chickens are coming home to roost. I've always felt for a long time that cancel culture was such a weird, bizarre, sort of like recreational outrage kind of thing that people like that sweet release of just like being able to like go after people. And I think it's important to call people out when they're being problematic to hold them to those things and point out those things so they can learn from those things. But I think, you know, cancel cultures can can be very counterproductive to progress and change. Because at the end of the day, like you said, like, do people actually really get canceled? Not usually. And there are people, and I think there are people that have a lot of influence. And so I think if there's a way that it could be sort of like an, an approach in a way that, because I think if those people are still going to have influence, that if they can use their change and their growth in an influential way, then that would be productive. Normalize learning from our mistakes. Normalize books. Let's start there. Normalize <laughs> normalize <laughs> having new thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, it's so hard to, in this current climate, it's very hard to admit when you're wrong because we will be wrong every day of our lives we're buried. So it's like saying, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have said that way. I shouldn't have done this action. I am not perfect. And all I can, sorry, and pledge to do better. And I think, I think that that, that's really important growth. I've done and said some things that are like immortalized on the show. I mean, tequila Katie is a real thing and that, you know, and I could be shameful and have regret of that, but I've been able to look at myself and have really sobering moments, even while watching myself be completely inebriated and being like, "Mm, I could change some things about myself. And I find that is empowering because having that opportunity to look at yourself and admit that that is not the way to be and the way to act. Your character has kind of changed as far as like what I've seen on the season when you when you called out the BS like Black Lives Matter police prank. I was like, yes, Katie, like (laughs) speak truth to power. Oh, I'm in, I'm really I'm feeling it. Yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, that was um that was a moment um because tons of injustice and especially in the, you know, police system and 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 just everything and and just seeing it for for many years now. And you know, it's been my privilege to never have to think about those things or have to worry about those things and those are the like the real sad reality 
of so many lives in this country. For to joke about it to me was just like not the thing to do. Like we got to change it, not be joking about it. That's a, that was a, a situation, a scenario set up for our entertainment to laugh at when that is a reality for so many people and it just didn't make sense. And so often you're looking at these these guests be just crumbling um, in their own discomfort and and struggling to find the answers and, and often like deterring away from the question. You ask a very simple question and they're like, well, let me go back and talk about like my grandma or someone. And you're like, why are you not answering the question? 1988 South Africa. <laughs> Have you ever felt um, uncomfortable yourself in an interview? Surprising because I'm like, I, I have a public image, but or public, I live publicly, but I don't like to talk about myself. I was raised by like Nigerian immigrants who kind of raised me to be like, keep it to yourself. So I am feeling uncomfortable during because I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to say something idiotic um, or offensive? Like I don't want to hurt. I'm really, really sensitive and really emotionally intelligent. So I'm I'm just constantly trying to navigate, be like the lead negatively impactful at all times. Who would be like a dream guest on your show? Uh, Kim K, for sure. I think she would be, I would love her. I just think she would be so fascinating. Well, like what would be like the first question or the most like important question you could ask her? I don't know what questions I would ask. You have to like watch the interview to figure out how I would frame the questions because it would take me like 14 weeks to prep. But I, we would talk about her fashion, which I think is we're like super influential. Like everything that fashion makes is in in line with what Kim Kardashian pulls from Naomi Campbell and other respective supermodels that she's in. Talk about her fashion. What are your like ultimate goals for your show in terms of like the future? Like where where would you hope to see it go? In every television um in the country. <laughs> That's the goal for sure. Is is widespread. I think I could easily see that happening. Time will tell, hopefully, that hopefully that, that would be awesome. Um, I'm just gonna do is take it a day at a time and make sure I have like good guests who are compelling and interesting. Um Emmanuel Acho. So yeah, so he's um having like kind of very similar kind of conversations, like uncomfortable conversations with a black man where, you know, talking about race, talking about social issues, systemic issues surrounding race that are, you know, very powerful and informative as well. You should have him on. I should have him on. I hadn't, I've never heard of him until right now, or maybe I had, but I didn't realize it, but I am totally done. Yeah. I'm going to look him up because that's really fascinating. Yeah. I could see you having a, a talk show easily. I would, I would love to see that. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> I want to talk about you. As you just said, I don't like to talk about myself. Let's talk about yourself either. No, I said, as you just said, I don't like to talk about myself. I'm like, let's talk about See yourself like on a scripted television. Like you do you like to self looking at yourself? Not really. I mean, I watch the show because um, we film a lot. And so I forget what we film. And also because we film so much, you don't know what's going to make it into the episodes. And also I'm not in every scene. And so I got to see what other people, what other stories are coming into the show. So, I mean, I, I do watch the show, but like, I'm not like everyone be quiet. I'm talking on the screen right now. <laughs> don't have a ego problem at all. I, I am very, yeah, I, I just, no. <laughs> Surreal. Yeah. I can only Im- I can imagine. Attention 
has never been something I've liked to even even though I loved, you know, performing as a, as a young kid and was doing dance and theater and acting. I always enjoyed, you know, performing. I I was never like an attention seeking person. So so even like being on a show where we do have a lot of attention or, you know, I'm using air quotes, celebrity or fame was not something I was after or maybe particularly enjoy fully. But, but, you know, having um, a platform was something that's great, but I want to be able to use it in a way that I can inspire people. So hopefully I'm able to do that, you know, and, and have a message and not just be, you know, some kind of dumb reality person. Uh, I'm not, I'm not vapid. So, <laughs> but I'm, but I am human. I'm flawed. So when I would, when I did Google you, that there was like, not so much about like you. I mean, obviously, you know, you've done comedy and stand up. I know you have an album called Generation Z-Way and Clap for Democracy is a fucking bop. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> listening. And, and uh, what was the Melania in Sri Lanka? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I read that you, uh, one of your shows, you just like performed that song back to back like 10 yeah, times. I did. And people got really, really upset with me. Get upset with me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like what you like to do. You just like to, you like the getting under people's skin and making, and making them just like, Ur. I know. I didn't realize I was an edgelord until recently, but apparently I am. <laughs> I say embrace it. Yeah. Why not, man? But are you going to do more music? I think. Yes, I am. I am going to do more music. I'm actually dropping a Mio um, for my song Universal Healthcare. But um, yeah, I'm going to do more music. I like it. It's fun. When I was a kid, I wanted to be the pre- president of the United States and a pop star. So, <laughs> so these, this is me merging those worlds. You're on your way. <laughs> Who produces your like the music for it? It depends on the song. Yeah, I had this one producer named Mar who's really, really talented. He- it and produced it and then some of them were produced by my ex friend who we I, I would say I say that we broke up to Melania from Sri Lanka he got so he got so irritated making that he like dumped me <laughs> are you are you currently single yes I am famously single I know oh. not wild do you how many straight have listening to your podcast but um if you're single and ready to mingle get after it I'm famously difficult. Um, so I don't know if you, you're ready. If you want the smoke. <laughs> Can't handle it. What's your type? Hot geniuses. Hot, Hot geniuses. geniuses. Yes. You have to be attractive and also brilliant. Like myself. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I feel like my husband, he's, people don't think he's smart, but he's, he's a lot smarter than he looks. And he comes across on this show. He seems like a sweet guy. He, no, he, he really is. We've been together for 10 years now. I loved um, when you gave ultimatum. <laughs> Ultimatums get shit done. Say what you want about that, but they get shit done. And also he's, he's a Libra and I'm just convinced I'm a Capricorn and Libras, they just often don't know what they want. So you got to kind of like push them in a direction. <laughs> them is what you're saying. And I respect it. You can't force anyone to do anything they don't want to do. So at the end of the day, I didn't force him into anything. I just, I had to present him with a clear option. You're either going to put a ring on it or I'm going to walk. Absolutely iconic. I love it. I'm obsessed. Also, when I was reading, you 
when you were young, you were a big fan of Sailor Moon. Oh yeah, I love love Sailor Moon, and I would write fan fiction. <laughs> what was that like? Like, do you have any? Do you have any examples out in the world of your fan fiction? I would love to read this. And then will be printed. It was like appropriate for a child, and I would make my read it, and I would erase the part where Damien and um, Sailor Moon, Selena, Serena were kissing. So you were making your own like Sailor Moon erotic. Yeah, it was erotica, but for a twelve-year-old who was like they dance passionately. I mean, like Sailor Moon was kind of like I remember watching it and being like, "This is kind of sexy." Those girls, they, I mean, those were hot. They had legs for days. The little, the little skirts. Like I, that, that's a sexy outfit. I would wear that to, to like seduce a man, just you know, seduce a woman. Hell, <laughs> right? My my friend Kyle had. He always has these huge like costume parties for his birthday, and he recently had one which was like um, an anime party. Ooh. And, and I bought a Sailor Moon. I was going to be Sailor Pluto. And I got the costume. And <laughs> it was like stripper. Like my whole entire ass was hanging out of it. But I was like, I I cannot wear this out. Oh, my God. So then I, yeah. So then I just kind of came up with my own like weird little costume. I still wore the long green wig. Or was it Sailor Jupiter? I can't remember. It was one of the Sailor. She was the one with the long green. Pluto had the long, it's a short hair. Okay, then I was Sailor Jupiter. Oh, no. Sailor Jupiter had the long green hair. And then okay. Sailor Jupiter had the short hair. So, so Sailor Jupiter. So I, I kept the, the long green wig. But yeah, but but yeah, I was a big Sailor Moon fan. So I, I really enjoyed that. That show was so fun. Like, and the theme song, like Fighting Evil by Moonlight, like Live in Love by Daylight. Like that shit is slaps. Gosh, I guess it was a couple years ago almost. I went to Tokyo and they had all kinds of like Sailor Moon, like makeup. I got Sailor Moon, like eyeliner, Sailor Moon lip balm. That was like their little wands. It was like that version in a chapstick form. Oh, I'm I know. It was just like, I was like reliving. Are you, are you like a nostalgia person? I feel like the way like you dress is very like throwback to like nineties. I am living in Clueless at all times. I'm doing like Dion. Oh yeah. Is that like your, your fashion inspo? Absolutely inspired. Definitely. I'm obsessed with everything like late nineties, early two thousands, just like everything from that world. I recently went on eBay and I bought like old um, issues of like, Seventeen magazine and Cosmo Girl and YM and I just go through it and I see ads for like Bonnebel and Lip Smackers and like old like Pagers and Claire's. So like anything from like the beauty stuff that we all had back then. Like the sh- remember those body fantasy sprays that had the shimmer in them? Did you ever watch the crap? They- oh, I love I love a good witchy vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Duh, witches of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just constantly wanting to just go back into those days of just the 2002 and just uh, it's comforting. It feels like it just feels warm and cozy. It was a there. simpler time, you know, you could wear yeah, back in I rem- I'm just well, I'm more in the times when we could leave our house. <laughs> Any sort of scenario that takes me back. At least in New York, you y'all have done it right. And you know, your you know, your numbers have gone down and like, is nuts right now. <laughs> like shutting down again for the second time. And everyone's like, what the hell? And I'm like, what do you mean? What the hell? We did everything wrong. And so now it's going wrong. What, what, what do you expect? Okay. Something else I read. Oh, you tweeted the other day and it made me laugh. Uh, you go so hard on the research. I'm loving this. Well, I had a lot of like 
questions for you. And I was like, oh my God, I was so excited to talk to you. So I wanted to make sure I just like, just was prepared for everything. So I didn't forget anything, but we tweeted something the other day. You're like the only job I ever self-expelled from was the cheesecake factory because I got caught falling asleep with the register and it made me laugh obviously, but, but also because I worked at the cheesecake factory. What was that like? 21. It was the cheesecake factory in Beverly Hills. I think it was the first cheesecake factory in LA. Treated you like uh, absolute ass. My experience was they they had secret shoppers, right? Which are people that could go online. They get like a like little questionnaire that they're supposed to, you know, secretly fill out. And then they get like their meal for free. But these are just like anyone. They're not, they're not people that have like the right kind of credentials or experience to go in and judge the job of the people working in the restaurant. And they're people that don't take it seriously. And so um, I would get people that would just give me horrible um, reviews, basically. And I, w- I will say I've been working in a restaurant my like most of my life, my famously, but also since I was like 13 years old for my mom, my mom had a restaurant growing up. Oh, cool. <laughs> when you would get a bad score or below a certain score on your secret shopper, they would send you home from your shift. You would lose an entire shift. So it was, it was really shitty. And it was just, I'm like, this is, this is, this is not right. This is flawed. Got to a point where it was like the third time it happened. And they're like, "Mm, I think maybe they're like, it doesn't make sense because we think you're a great server, but like the rules here are. And and then they're like, do you think maybe you should just quit? And I was like, yeah, but this place sucks. Oh, self-expelled. I love it. I made up the Cheesecake Factory. I worked at this place called Brother Jimmy's. It was horrible. I was a waiter for a week and I was terrible, but people had for me, so they would tip me. But I like could not get the order straight, did not enter the system straight, like did not care. Was like <laughs> tweeting on the job, like, fell asleep. Um, absolutely <laughs> bad at service. I think it should be mandatory that everyone should have to work in service industry because people just notoriously treat people in the industry awful or service industry, sorry, service industry awful um, from like not tipping to just being rude to waiters and just sending things back. It's like, maybe I'm lame because I've never sent anything back. I'll just be, I'll just eat around the stomach. Like whatever, dude. If something is like inedible, inedible, okay, I get it. You want to, you know, eat if you're hungry. Um, but there's a way to do it and there's a way to be understanding and, you know, and also like people don't understand that sometimes not everything is the server's fault. Service industry inside info from an iconic server. Famous. <laughs> this is like, I feel like really into it. I know. I had a dream the other night that I went back to work at Sir. Ah! I know it was wild. And I like, didn't know what I was doing. And I panicked at the POS system. And I was like, I couldn't remember where things were on the on the computer and people were like, hurry up. And I was like, I'm trying. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a server dream in a long time. And those are real. Like, sir, those are nightmares. Well, uh, Tom Tom saw Lance Bass for the first time. Wait, you went to TomTom? Yeah, I've been to TomTom. I went to TomTom like uh, this fall, last like whatever, not this year, but 2019 fall. Um, and last, Lance Bass was there. Oh, no way. Was was anyone else there? Was Tom there? Piss. I was like, where the hell is Tom Schwartz? <laughs> and they were like, ma'am, this is an art. They're like, go home. Like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about it? <laughs> it had goat cheese balls. I had a cheeseburger, but it was perfectly nice. The Impossible Burger there is real good. Yeah. What did you, what, did you have the cocktails or did you just drink whatever? I had the cocktails, but I 
tell you what I drank. I couldn't tell you what I drank. I had a pleasant experience where I've been to other restaurants and I would not necessarily say the same. Would you ever come on Vanderpump Rules? As a cameo, like, like in the way that, like maybe like Lady Gaga, like here, but I don't, I've thought about doing unscripted. My, like I went to high school with the dude whose dad created BPR. I love unscripted television, but I don't, I'm so controlling that I would need to be a producer on a show. I could sign away my life like that, you know? Yeah, you got to like really like relinquish all control and like just everything about yourself and be like, this is what I signed up for. Well, also, <laughs> I'm sure, is it like stressful? Because I'm sure you get asked a lot of the what the things that your other cast members do. Um, Yeah, there's a pressure for sure. But I've, you know, now eight years in and all of that, I've, I've learned to just sort of like manage that and being like, I can't, I can't be responsible for everything and everyone. I can't, I'm also can't be the spokesperson for everyone and be the, the representative and the mouthpiece for everyone. Um, you know, it's frustrating for everyone because they want, they want me to say stuff. And, and I'm just like, I, <laughs> there's literally nothing I can say because, you know, it's, it's not for me. Unless, like, unless I said, yeah, fuck this person, <laughs> everyone would just be like, nah. Um, but yeah, people are always just riding your ass. You cannot, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, for sure. But God, I've just been, I've been criticized constantly on this show. I'm used to it. <laughs> the Katie arc is long, but it bends towards justice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whether it's whether it's about like me being an asshole to my husband or to another person on the show or to gaining too much weight or to which blah, I hated blah, blah, blah. that storyline. I thought that was <sighs> I mean, just like how about we don't talk about people's body, we don't talk about women's bodies. Even recently, when I lost weight, then that they wanted to talk about that. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. I'm tired of I'm tired of my body being a topic of conversation. Like it's just not it's not something I want. Like there's a lot more I could talk about myself than weight I am and what shape I am because my body's gonna change 40 more times probably it is why speaking of I remember you shirt that said bun in the oven but you were just it was a hot dog and had nothing to do with you being why would you freak everybody out like oh when I wore the muumuu that said make it make it three (laughs) yeah why did you do that Tom and I did not even think about it looking it like it could be a a a pregnancy announcement because he he wanted to make a moon because he loves his moomoos he had a moomoo that he was making that he was hoped that he could have out before christmas time because it was like a quote from um home alone where he says make it three i'm not driving about scoops of scoops of ice cream and so yeah so he he wanted to take a picture of me in it to help like promote it on his instagram and then People started saying that. I'm like, oh my God, it totally looks like if you gain five pounds, people think you're pregnant. It, it like, doesn't matter. I wear a shirt that says make it three and I'm pregnant. Like, it's just so much speculation always. The way that the media treats women is like so, as for however hard, far we think we've progressed as a society, it's like abominable, like to see the sexism. But I'm really fascinated with your experience because it's so evident. It's like, this person is fat. And- what the fuck is wrong with you? Like this person looks fantastic. You guys are being cruel and disgusting. Yeah, I don't see I don't see the guys on our show getting that same kind of criticism that we've got. And even even when I stood up for myself when it came to, you know, James Kennedy making comments on my body and I just was like this is bullshit. I got 
so many people hating on me for that. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so again, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean I want to stop talking, but it's just like knowing that no matter what I say, it's going to not make anyone happy <laughs> or not make everyone happy. Wild. That's absolutely wild. Lee Vulture does start uh, recapping your live shows. Text saying that that's, it's going to happen. Well, they asked for my recommendation, but I actually no involvement because I don't want to, want to be disappointed. I want to see what the culture thinks of this show. I feel like Brian, what's his name? Brian Moylan. Oh yeah. He writes really good ones about your show. I lived for the recaps of our show because they they were just so like brutal and so hilarious. I'm going to read the recaps for my show. You read recaps for your show. Yeah. I think it's so great the way people view our show and view us, even if I don't agree with it or I think it's, you know, harsh or um, incorrect incorrect, whatever. It's, it's, it's however people want to interpret things. And oftentimes it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's still a show and it's not, they're not seeing everything. And, and even though what they're seeing is still like a reality, it's, it's not the, the, you know, the 24, seven, 365 reality, but I can, I mean, I can laugh at it. I can laugh at myself. I could be self-deprecating and I, you know, and I think it's, I think it's funny to me. I think that you and Ariana are the smartest people on that cast. Um, <laughs> truly, I really do. And I, I, what I like about you in particular is I just think that you, you have an open mind and you're like, I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to change and grow. And I think that that's the thing that has kind of been consistent with your for the last couple seasons. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely willing to, to learn and grow and be called out and fuck up along the way. I, <laughs> it's going to happen. But yeah, and I, and I hope that I can, be an example and, and inspire that in my friends as well and the people that I'm close with and um and people who follow me and listen to me and who watch the show and bare minimum that's what can happen then that's awesome. I love that. Yes, Katie Maloney. <laughs> Schwartz in the building, KMS. You are a huge inspiration in that too because you're helping me shine a light inwards on myself and be like, okay, because I've never, I myself never asked myself, how many black friends do I have? I've never, well, at first I'm like, well, I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> What's the answer, Katie Maloney? How many? Uh, uh, four to five. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so much fun. Truly, I, yeah. I would love to come on your podcast again. Please come on my live stream because you, I think you're so, so interesting and you have so much to the world because you just are such a fascinating young lady. The feeling is so mutual and I can't think you of you think I'm young? Oh my God. You are young. You're a baby. Ugaga. <laughs> um, but th- uh, thank you so much for coming and, and talking about yourself, even though you don't like to. And I hate it. If you ever want to write some Sailor Moon fan fiction and send it my way, I would love that. Your Instagram live shows, everyone must watch them. They're every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Um, PST, your time. Z-Way F on Instagram, Z-I-W-E-F at Z-Way on Twitter, Z-I-W-E. Yeah, this has been wild and so interesting and I loved it. Thank you so, so much. And um, I hope I get to talk to you very soon. soon. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe. Leave a rating and review. Follow along on social at Music Kills Kate. And tune in next week for an all new episode. <laughs>